Welcome to the Podski Wee Wee post game instant reaction show. Uh, the Ticats lose again. Uh, the Argonaut to the Argonauts and are two and six on the season. Uh, another meltdown in the second half, and I'm quite pissed off about this. How are you feeling, Josh? I'm not as upset about the loss as I am the way they lost. Same story as every other loss, it seems, this season. Played, I won't say exceptionally well, but pretty well in the first half. Going to the locker room, defenses held the Argos to two field goals. They have a double-digit lead, and yet they lose by two touchdowns. It's, it's the same story that we've been telling for two months now. And it's, this, this is who this team is. And I think it might be good enough to squeak into a playoff spot because the rest of the division sucked. But th- this team's not going to a third-grade Grey Cup, I can tell you that much. Yeah, I have to agree with you on this one. You know, my confidence was was pretty high after last week. I thought, you know, they should have won this game or like coming into it. And it just didn't work out that way. And uh, I think I've lost my faith in this team at this point. They just keep making the same mistakes over and over. And it's not even mistakes. It's just lack of producing after the first quarter for the offense. Um, Being able to shut down an offense in the second half when you have a lead. Uh, The defense, once again, you know, falls apart in the second half. And, you know, that's that's been a theme for years with this team. Yeah. I mean, what more can you say? Like, this was maybe the most team effort loss of the season. They don't do enough offensively in the second half. Defense didn't make enough timely plays in the second half. Special teams gave up a touchdown. And then, like, I'm sure we'll get into the specifics of it. But the, the, the return lack thereof, uh, Lawrence Wood, he also fumbled one that nearly could have gone awry. Like, it was just, this was a total team loss. A lot of people are going to hang this on. I've, I've got people in my Twitter mentions just killing Tommy Condell. Absolutely killing him. And I get it, but this is not all on him. This was a complete team effort on the loss. There's some blame going his way, some blame going the coaching staff's way, because I think they made a really bad decision early in this game that I'm sure we'll get into in depth. But this was an absolute, complete team failure. And like I said, this is who they are now. They're 2-6. and six. They're hanging on to a playoff spot because Ottawa sucks and Montreal sucks. But this, this is not a good football team. I, t- I told you this a few weeks ago, and I, know, I, I didn't want to ruin your optimism. And, you know, they, they won two of their last three, and you're, you're thinking maybe they're turning the corner. Tonight was uh, a cold slap in the face of reality, as one of my uh, favorite wrestlers once said. And I think the biggest thing with the offense tonight was the red zone inefficiency. Mm-hmm. They, they got into the red zone, and, you know, it, they just got field goals, field goal after field goal after field goal. They can't seem to punch the ball into the end zone, especially when it counts. So just... You know, the offense overall just going stagnant after that hot start like we seem to always do. Uh, I don't know what you do to fix that. I mean, it seems like we're, we're fixing mistakes. Like, the turnovers don't seem to be a problem anymore. But now we can't score when we get into the end zone, and we have these long lulls in the offense where uh, they just can't seem to move the ball. Yeah, like, they did score a touchdown in the red zone. Don Jackson had that touchdown. He He was, again... This is going to be a tale of two halves for this game. He was phenomenal in the first half. They used him. Yeah. I don't know how much how much work he got in the second. But it's, again, these are season-long problems. This is not – it's not as if these things have, have sprung up overnight. This team is – I think they showed on the broadcast, they're the eighth-ranked team when it comes to points scored on trips inside the red zone. They're, like, barely over three points per trip it that that's just not good enough that's not good enough you have to you get inside the 20 you get inside the 10 you've got to come away with with touchdowns they kick a few I, I know it was third and eight but they kick a field goal that late in the game I think there was what maybe five minutes left four minutes left I don't remember the exact time but you're down by a touchdown you're inside the 15 you're kicking field goal like I get it you want because if oh if we get the ball back blah 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 but like yeah, yeah. Just go for it. What do you, what do you, what are you scared of? You know what I mean? Like if you don't get it, then you've buried them deep anyway. And if your defense is good enough, maybe you get the ball back. And after they've conceded to say, you know what I mean? Like you, the, it, the players, it feels like are too tentative. The coaches seem to be calling games as if they, they're calling games not to lose as opposed to calling games, trying to win. Does that make sense? Cause that's what I feel 
this whole team, this whole, because they're so far behind in the standings, it feels like they're, they're just, they're playing and coaching scared almost. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I, I think that's been a problem for a while with this team not being um, aggressive enough. And, and, and I totally agree with you. I mean, we, we get inside the 20 yard line. It's late in the game. Just go for it. If you, if you don't make it, it doesn't mean the game's not over. They still have the ball deep in their own end. Um, so I don't get the decision to, to not go for it there either. But uh, what do you think of Evans play overall? I, I, I mean, obviously he had that hot start. He looked great. And then after that, it just seemed to be flustered. So mistakes in this game are going to be a focal point for me. Whether we talk about them all on the show or not, it's definitely going to be a focal point of my post-game piece on three down. That'll probably be up sometime tomorrow. The mis- he was he was fa- fabulous to start the game. He had one one iffy throw, I would say, which was the one deep that Jugaird Davis nearly intercepted. But other than that, in the first half, he was he was exceptional. And then they made the decision to put Matthew Schultz in for a drive, which I didn't understand. I, I was for it the last few weeks when things weren't going their way. They wanted to do that as a changeup. I get it. They didn't do a ton of the two quarterback stuff today. Uh, so maybe that's not I, – I thought that would be something they were going to go with for the remainder of the season. Maybe that's not the case. But I felt like the, that's when the offense came to a complete halt is when yeah. they went to Schiltz for a drive. I think they went two and out. I think he threw, threw a deep pass to Mike Jones on one of the plays and it went incomplete and kind of just killed the drive. And that's when the offense just went stagnant. And I, I think they messed with Evans' momentum. He was in a rhythm. I thought the offense was humming along pretty pretty decently. Yes, they had only scored the one touchdown, but they were putting drives together. They were chewing up clock. Like, it seemed to be – like, that's what you they, – they signed this guy to, you know, $400,000 a year deal in the offseason. Let him cook, man. Like, they were letting him cook early, and it was going great. I, you, you and I were texting back and forth. It looked good. Mm-hmm. They, they throw Schultz in there for a drive, and I think that that completely halted any sort of momentum, and then they never got it back. Yeah, and I, that's about it you saw of Schultz. I, there might have been a couple other plays that it came in, but they really limited his snaps this game. Uh, it was mostly Evans in there, but uh, but I agree with you. They, sh- you know, when Dane is in a in a rhythm, you you don't take him out of the game. You keep him in there because it hasn't been happening that often this season. So uh, I don't understand that call either. Now, what did you think about Mike Jones before he got injured? You know, he made a couple couple catches. Uh, didn't look too bad. He looked like he was getting open. No, he was he was fine. He was yeah. fine. I, I really liked what we saw to Keandre Smith when he came mm-hmm. in after Jones got hurt, made a couple of nice catches. I wish he would have been a it looked like on I think it was on the t- the not touchdown throw, but the throw into the end zone that Steven Dunbar almost caught, like between his legs th- through the midsection of Winton McManus. It looked like Smith was open for a potential first down there, or at least had maybe could have even scored a touchdown. So I, I'm I'm a big fan of his part of the reason why I was a little curious. Well, they brought in or they brought back Mike Jones. Mike Jones was fine, but he got hurt. Or then that's another story of this game too. The injuries, like there's, yeah. So, so obviously we're going to get to the big one, which is Braylon Addison in a bit. But this team, Sean Thomas Erlington went out twice, and Bailey Feltmate got hurt. Anthony Federico got hurt. Addison's the one we're going to talk about in depth. Obviously, just man, they they took a pounding in this one, but. Uh, yeah, Mike Jones. He was he was fine. I mean, yeah, like you said, he made a couple nice catches. Didn't let any balls hit him in the face. It was a it was a decent return for him. I think he did about as much as I would have expected him to do. Might have even overperformed for me a little bit. Now it seemed to me in the offense that Dane he had time back there, mm-hmm. and he just couldn't find a guy downfield, and he would you know drop the ball off, and then he get tackled, and we'd have to punt the ball. So I just – I don't know what's going on with the offense where he can't find anyone open. And when he's trying to go deep, he's not very accurate on his passes. The deep ball passes have been off um, basically this whole season. Yeah, I mean, first drive of the game, I think it was, he had Mike Jones open on a on a go route that if he drops that in the bucket, Mike Jones walks into the end zone. Uh, I, I don't necessarily know if he – if there. I just don't think there's guys open because I, I – yeah. aside from Stephen Dunbar – I mean, Braylon Addison was getting open early, but unfortunately he got hurt. Dunbar's really the only guy that's been consistent on this offense catching the football. I'm starting to kind of think maybe Tim White ain't made out for this. I, I, I'm starting to think he might be a flash in the pan because he has had – did he even have a catch today? 
like he was invisible and we all expected big things from him coming into this season. I just don't think the receiving talent is there, to be honest with you. I, th- I don't think they're getting separation. Even Dunbar, some of those catches, like he had a big one late, very, very late in the game. He was basically double covered. The guy was the one defender was draped all over him. He just made a really nice catch. Guys aren't getting separation. Guys aren't getting open. And I think that's part of the problem. Because I think, I don't know if we're going to talk about it a lot, but I thought the offensive line was pretty good in this one. I don't believe they gave up a sack. There was the, the Evans had time to make his reads time to make his throws they were when they were running the football they were doing so pretty effectively like I think the offensive line was pretty good in this game so it, it to me it comes down to the receivers just not finding a way to get open and with, with Addison's injury I think that that gets much worse before it comes close to getting better because I don't know yeah, who they, I don't know who I don't know who's out there that they can go get to, to make this receiving core better they're they're kind of stuck with the guys they have yeah they are and you asked about Tim White he had one reception for six yards. Um, Not good enough. To put that into perspective, Matthew Schultz had a reception for 20 yards. So he has more yards. Quarterback has more yards than our, our star wide receiver. So that's, uh, star, that's pretty star embarrassing. In, star in quotation marks. Yeah, exactly. He's not a star. No, he, no. He we thought he was going to be one. We thought yeah. he was going to be one, but it, it just doesn't seem to be no. uh, panning out for him and the team. I'll be, so, I'll be honest with you. I would not be surprised if he's out of the league next year. He's obviously he's he yep. signed a he signed a rookie contract. I believe it's only for two seasons. He'll be a free agent at the end of this year. If this keeps up, I I could honestly see him out of football because he just he hasn't you know those rookie guys you you bring in these receivers we see it across the league that 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 going into that second contract they have to show that we we saw it from White a year ago hasn't maintained that pace. I got to be honest. He could he could be out of football by the end of that by the end of the season. I he just he's he's maybe the biggest disappointment on this team, which has a lot of disappointments because they have they're two and six after eight games, so they're not a very good football team. But Tim White has to rank up there pretty high on the list of of disappointments for the squad in the first half of the season for sure. Yeah, you mentioned the offensive line, and I have to agree with you. I thought they had a really good night. I thought they played really well the last, you know, three or four games, really. Yep. Even with, you know, even with Bourne call in at left tackle, uh, you know, you don't notice anything bad going on the left side of that line. So uh, he must be playing pretty well. Uh, you know, that's not the problem with his team right now. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it was a big problem in the first couple of games and now it seems to be fixed, but now we have a bunch of other problems with this offense. So yeah. Uh, and the thing uh, is, yep. the Argos have a really good, defensive line like mm-hmm. Gary, Gary Davis hasn't really done much this season and didn't really do much in this game that like he was almost invisible but Sean Oakman's a good player Shane Ray who I don't even think I heard his name I know maybe, uh, maybe I'm wrong and he wasn't playing but pretty sure he was out there didn't hear his name at all tonight that's a good defensive line that they kind of stonewalled for most of the night mm-hmm. so if we're looking for positives from this game and I know that everyone listening is like guys we sure it's all negative. I get <laughs> yeah. it the offensive line play, which is something that you and I, you in particular, were concerned about going into the season, looked awful to start the year. They've cycled through. I believe this is just the second time all season they've started the same five up front in a game, back-to-back weeks. So we're in week eight. I think I think it's been seven different off- – maybe six different offensive line combinations they've had. And I think they've been pretty good over the – since the bye week, I think they've been, they've been pretty good. I think adding Colin Kelly really – kind of solidified that group, but even with Van Zyl out there, and like you said, Vorn calls on the left side. I don't remember hearing his name much tonight. So nope. if that, that's a good thing because they were going up against a very talented front four in Toronto and kind of kept them completely quiet. It, it was it was a very good performance by them. Now we touched briefly on Tommy Condell's play calling in this one. Uh, I'd like to get a little bit more in depth on it. I just, I thought the first half was, was great. Uh, I thought the play calling was outstanding. I thought the offense looked really good. The second half, not so much. I didn't really like what happened, you know, play calling wise in the second half. Did you see the same way or did you just see or was it just a lack of execution by the players? It's well, it's always a combination of the both. It's not just it's not just play calling. It's not just execution. It's both. It's mm-hmm. the, fir- the first half I thought was excellent. I thought that they that they were they were clicking. They were humming along those first few drives. They. They were getting in second and long situations and they were converting them. I think they converted six of their first seven second down attempts. Like that's 
you're going to win. You would normally, you, you keep that pace up, you win a lot of football games. And then that regressed back to the mean, of course. They, they started to drop balls. They started to run on second and eight for some reason, or the, the passes weren't there and they had to check it down and the receivers would get tackled short of the, short of the line again. I, I, I don't want to put it all on the, on the play calling. It was a little unimaginative in the second half, but it's also on the players to go out there and do what they're supposed to do. And like I said when, earlier, it feels to me like the receivers just aren't gaining any separation. There's no room there for, for Evans to make his throws. And you have to throw to win in this league. You, you have to throw to win in almost every football league now. It's not just a CFL thing, but especially with the two downs. And I know I'm kind of getting into like rudimentary, fundamental, every, like everyone's screaming. We know what the hell they have to do, but it's simple stuff that this team is not executing. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you can go and be all creative and do your triple reverse flea flicker halfback passes all you want, throw it to your quarterbacks or, you know what I mean? But if you're not executing the very basics of what you need to do, all that other stuff is just window dressing. And this right now, this team is not executing at a level high enough to, to be competing with the best teams in the league. They don't compete with the worst teams in the league. Sometimes I don't think Toronto is that good. I think they're an okay team. They're clearly the best team in the East right now, but I, I don't think Toronto is fifth, sixth, fourth, best. Like They're middle yeah. of the pack at best. They're not one of the elite teams. And Hamilton, especially in the second half, made them look like the, the, the bombers. They just let them kind of take over. And like McLeod Bethel-Thompson, I don't think is a good quarterback. And in the second half, you look like, look like it. You look like Joe Montana like in the second half. Yeah, yeah. easy game. Good. Yeah. So Jay, we get, that's a good segue to the to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I like to touch on the D line. Amazing first half. The pressure was on. Oh, no. You know, McLeod Bethel Thompson didn't have time. Um, you know, part, I think one of the sacks was from the linebacking core, but the D line was was spectacular in the first half. And then the Turducken sack. Yes, yes, the uh, the triple sack, which I thought was great, especially Dylan Wynn. I thought he was on fire tonight especially in the first half. But then, you know, the same as the offense, it, it kind of falls apart in the second half. They don't get any pressure on the quarterback and he just sits back there and, and picks us apart. And when they did, they didn't make the play. And the finest example of that second down inside the red zone, Mason Bennett has a clear shot at McLeod Bethel Thompson, takes him down. They're kicking a field goal whiffs on the tackle finds Cam Phillips in the end zone, touchdown, two-point convert. Argos are now down by three. Instead of forcing him to kick a field goal, they would have, it would have been a nine. They would have had not. It would have been 14-9 or 17-9, not 17-14. And that's, again, with the offense, it was the insertion of Schultz. I think with the defense, that was the, that was the start of where everything went wrong. Mason Bennett makes that play, which in that situation, he has to. I'm not listening to the excuses that it's his first year starting. I'm not listening to the excuses that it's just his second year in the league. He's on the field. He's got to make a play. In that instance, you absolutely have to make that play. He didn't. Argo score. Momentum goes on Toronto's side, and that was what that was basically it. Yeah, it, you know, and it, they don't get pressure in the second half. Uh, the DBs can't seem to cover that well. You know, they, if, if McLeod Bethel Thompson has a lot of time, it's tough to cover all day long. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the story of the uh, of this season, the story of uh, the last couple of years, the defense falls apart in the second half. And I don't know how many times we have to watch this. And I'm not calling for jobs or anything like that, but something has to change here, right? I mean, we can't just keep watching this defense fall apart. I, is it... Maybe we either something has to change or we have to just accept this is who this team is. And that's one of those things that's hard to... all that talent, you know, all that yep. talent in the secondary. And we we can't stop the, the pass game in the second half in like any game, it seems. Yeah. I mean, this. So who's to blame? No, but is, is, is that uh, like everyone? Everybody. But yeah, every single person in the organization. Where's this record? Where's the this is. We have, we have seen this story play out too many times now to not just understand that this is who they are. When did I, 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 I mean, I'm going to look it up, but again, to give people a peek, you and I text during the game and I texted you that they were going to, I think they were up at the time, 17, 16. And I said, yeah, at 9, 17 PM, I sent you a text. They are totally going to lose this game. 
And you said, mm-hmm. I bleep and hope not. And again, yeah. I don't want them to lose. I don't want to be right in that situation. But we've seen time and time again that this team, when it, with that, that lack of a killer instinct has been there since week one. They, they were in a close game in Regina. Late in the game, they lose. The Winnipeg game, okay. The Calgary game, no, the Calgary, the Calgary game was before that. They're up big. They have a 24-point lead, and they lose. The Winnipeg game was a little different. That's the Bombers. They've crushed everybody. So be it. Edmonton, at home against an Elks team that had looked awful. They lo- like we. It's I know it's tough for fans to accept because they always want to maintain hope, and there's always going to be those fans out there, and God bless them, but they're always going to be no, they can turn this around. They're co- constantly optimistic. I love those people. I'm not one of those people. I'm, I'm a realist. Maybe that makes me an asshole. Maybe that makes me a bad fan, quote unquote. But we look at this team. They are who they are. We have seen this story play out now a half dozen times this year. It's not going to change. We just have to accept that this is who this team is. And unless they have a 30-point lead going into the fourth quarter, Chances are we're hanging on by the by uh, the edge of our seats, hoping and praying that they're not going to blow it, because we've seen too many times that that's exactly who they are. They're a team that can come close and then at the end just can't get the job done. So before we get to the Twitter comments, uh, we obviously have to talk about the injuries tonight. Uh, quite yeah. a few. The biggest one, Braylon Addison. It uh, didn't look good for him. He's done. There's there's no way that's not a non-contact injury. Uh, he was on crutches with an air cast it looked like on the sideline. That's a torn Achilles. Whether the team comes out and says what it is or not, there's there's no doubt in my mind he's I you know you don't want it, but there's no doubt in my mind that he is absolutely done for the season. That is that's a, he was he was having a pretty good game. Had a couple mm-hmm. of catches. He was making some plays out there. He was looking to finally start. He's over the last few weeks. He seemed to have finally started to round into form that we had come to know, and then. Something like this happens. And, and for a guy like him, he's going into the offseason. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He's had a couple last season, dealt with a ton of injuries. This season, it looks like it's over. I, I won't go as far as say it absolutely is, but I think everyone knows this is that's probably it for him this year. What does the future hold for him? Could You, like, you, you never know when, when you suffer an injury like that, if a guy's going to come back and be able to get back to the level he was at previously. It's just heartbreaking because it looked like he was about to turn the corner. The offense was turning the corner with him in there. That was uh, that was maybe the toughest part. The, the loss is is teams lose, team win, whatever. It's the human aspect of this. You you feel sorry for a guy like that who clearly goes out there and plays with his heart on his sleeve, gives you his all. To see him go down on something like that and and likely lose his season, that that's devastating from both a, a team perspective because he's not out there making plays, and just from the human perspective of you never want to see that happen to somebody. Yeah, and another guy that went out was Sean Thomas Erlington. He was hurt on the opening play of the game, and it, it didn't look good for him. You know, he was down on the field for a while. And then out of nowhere, he's back on the field. And I was like, holy hell, what the mm-hmm. – you know, he's running really well, but then he got injured again. So hopefully he's okay. And then there was a couple other other guys as well. Do you remember their names? Yeah, Mike Jones, I think he was out yeah. after he got hurt. He was out. I know Micah Johnson got hurt, but I think he came back in, but he missed a little bit. Bailey Feltmate got hurt and was helped off the field. Anthony Federico got hurt. The thing that's, that hurts about these, Braylon Addison's big-time player. Michael Johnson, I'm pretty sure, came back out, so I'm not going to really count him. Mike Jones, Canadian. Sean Thomas Erlington, Canadian. Feltmate, yep. Canadian. Federico, Canadian. And Feltmate is one of the teams, and he, this, is, this is something that a lot of like, maybe casual fans don't pick up on. He's one of the team's better special teams. It's Nick Cross, who's already hurt. Tyler Trenowski, who's also hurt, and now Bailey Feltmate. Those are probably the team's three best Canadian special teams players. Those guys are almost as irreplaceable as losing your franchise quarterback or your star defensive end. Like that, Those are the glue guys on, on a team. They're the guys that don't get the headlines. But, man, oh, man, when you lose a guy like that, a veteran – like Feltmate's only in the second year, but he's turned into one of the better co- coverage men in, on special teams in the league – those are those are hard guys to replace because there's only so many people who you can throw out there on specials that actually pick it up. Mike Daly was the guy that did it. We saw Courtney Steven do it. Mark Beswick was obviously the guy years ago, about a decade ago. He was like he he was nominated for special teams player of the year because of his coverage skills. That is rare to see. Those guys are worth their weight in gold. And while they're not the star players, the guys that get the headlines, losing guys like that, 
the, that hurts almost as much as losing a player anywhere else. And uh, speaking of special teams, we didn't talk about the block punt. Uh, I think we should touch on that. Yeah. A complete uh, melt. You know, the, the Argonauts load one side of the line of scrimmage and, you know, one guy doesn't get blocked and comes completely free and blocks the punt. The Argonauts recover for a touchdown and then it's 24-17. I think they take the lead. So that was obviously a big play in this game. The special teams wasn't great. Lawrence Woods, did he had one good return that he fumbled the ball on. Luckily, Mason Bennett was there to pick it up. The block punt was obviously a game changer. Again, this is we – talk, we talked about the offense, the momentum killer there. We talked about the defense, the momentum killer there. And then the block punt was the momentum kill, killer there too. But we can't let it, – again, it's one of those things that might get lost in the headlines, but Lawrence Woods letting the ball bounce and get to the goal line yeah. and – not letting it go into the end zone instead of fielding Bonehead, fields Bonehead. the ball. It's that is now that Lawrence Woods is a rookie, and that's what rookies do. They make I think it was Bill Parcells. I don't necessarily like this line because I think it's a little old school thinking, but Bill Parcells, I believe it was, said for every rookie you have on your team, count that count you they, they accumulate one loss for you. Lawrence Woods is a rookie, and again, I'm not gonna say that his decision there cost them the game it ultimately cost them three points they give up the safety and i think the argos ended up getting a missed i think they missed the field goal on the ensuing drive which was one of the worst missed field goals i've ever seen that thing went so far left it looked like it went right quite honestly um but at the same time they were up by three at that point if you give up the single you get the field position advantage Worst case scenario, you're punting, you're forcing the Argos to drive. It's a completely different ball game. Not saying the Argos wouldn't have stormed down the field and got a field goal or a touchdown or whatever. That probably would have happened. I don't think any of these individual mistakes cost the team the game. But when you stack them up like that, you look back and you go, oh, they didn't do this right. They didn't do this right. They didn't do this right. And that's why you lose a football game. So, yes, I, the, the block punt was obviously – it was a miscue on, by the blockers. The, the two guys, they, they showed it on the broadcast, two guys – went to block the same guy and allowed someone to come right up the middle for the block. That was a big thing, but almost as important was Lawrence Woods giving up essentially 30 yards of field position when he should have known to just let the ball go into the end zone. All right, let's get to the Twitter comments from uh, Rob Hayes, 63. You can't win a game if you only play one good quarter. For sure. Gain over five or six on deep balls tonight. With all the injuries tonight, can't see how we win next week. The team, This team isn't good at all. I don't disagree with that, but here's the thing. Injuries, no, the East is so hodgepodge and terrible. We're still in a playoff spot right now. <laughs> We're tied for a playoff spot. And let's not forget that, yeah, the Argos looked really good in the second half this week. They played the Argos at home, or they played the Red Blacks at home a week ago, didn't score a point in the second half. Like, they're... Everything that fans thought about Jeremiah Mazzoli and the whole Jekyll and Hyde stuff where it's like, oh, he's going to screw this up. Oh, he's going to screw – you know what I mean? Like there was always that fear that something was going to go wrong. That's McLeod Bethel-Thompson too. Like Mm -hmm. he's a guy that can look like the best quarterback in the league, and then there's times where he looks like he has no idea how to actually throw a football. And who knows what one's going to show up next week. So, yeah, I I don't like their chances, but they'll be at home – who know like I, I'm not going to count them out just yet, because I've seen the Argos play and, and look great, and then I've seen them play and look like absolute dog duty. So anything could happen next week. From Edenham Raw, uh, at Edenham Raw, overall it's a team loss, but we absolutely need to let go of Condell. Do we? Like I know everyone's like give give Kahari Jones the offensive coordinator role, but are, is he really going to be able to make wholesale changes? To this, because he his, his philosophy is different than Condell's. Now we've seen a little bit. We did see a little bit of his philosophy today, which is he likes to throw the ball deep. But as our last, not caller, but commenter said, he didn't complete any of those deep balls. So it's great to change the philosophy, but if the players aren't going to respond by executing properly, what what does it matter? All right, from Abe Ezekiel, told you we will not beat the Argos this year. At least I got a cat Slurpee cup. I think okay. we will. I think we'll beat them. I, I, you know, they're not going to win all four of these games. There's no way. He didn't. You didn't tell us shit. They've they've played once. <laughs> they still have three more games against them. 
if if after Labor Day they go 0 and 4 against them, you're welcome to come on and gloat and throw it in our face. I'll I'll, I'll eat the crow on that one. But until then, look, I said, what did I say on the show? I think I said it on here. I know I've said it on three down. I said they had to go four and two over these six for me to feel comfortable. They're one and one. I baked in two losses, and one of those losses I baked in was against Toronto. I thought they were going to lose at least one, maybe both, at BMO. They're one and one. After these six games, if they're two and four or even three and three, we'll have the conversation about if this team's any like really in trouble. But right now, they're you can't say a team's going to go going to win four of six, and when they lose one, you're like, oh, it's over. You know what I mean? Like you. I said I thought they would lose two of these games. This is one of the ones. No, I didn't know necessarily that they would lose this one. I was hoping they would win, but I baked in two losses for a reason. So, again, I'm not. I, I don't think very highly of this team right now. I don't think they're very good. But until they get to that third loss in these six games, I'm, I'm sticking by with what I said. And and to say that they won't beat the Argos this year because they lost one, I mean, come on, that's. It, Everyone who's listening to the show has followed the CFL, I think, for quite some time. They know how quickly things can turn on a dime in this league. Look at this game. Things turn, this, this looked like it was going to be a route for the Cats, and next thing you know, they lose by two touchdowns. So, come on. Let, let's, let's, not, let's not get hyperbolic quite yet. From at Jake Gramagna 32 Winnipeg will win the Grey Cup. I promise you that. What does that have to do with anything, Jake? Like, we're not talking about Winnipeg. But also, uh, okay, you know what? If we were doing this show after... The Ticats lost a regular season game to the Ottawa Red Blacks in 2016. You know what everyone would be saying? Oh, man, the Calgary Stampeders, they've won eight, eight in a row, ten in a row. They're going to cruise to the Grey Cup. And then what happened? And then the next year, it would have been the same thing. Oh, they lost. Ticats lost the Argos. And then someone would be like, oh, you know what? It doesn't matter. Calgary's going to win it all. And they didn't. This is what football is, man. Sometimes the best team doesn't win the championship. Do the Bombers look like they're going to destroy everyone? Yes, they do. They look like they might go undefeated. Will they? Probably not. Will they win the Grey Cup? I think they will. What does that have to do with this? I have no idea. But, again, we make these statements. We've seen teams. They, they brought it up on the uh, – well, well, yeah, they brought it up on the Winnipeg – not Edmonton, Winnipeg-Montreal game that BC in 05 started 11-0. and They didn't even make the Grey Cup in 05. The Edm- Edmonton played Montreal in the Grey Cup that year. So teams can start hot. It's it, – We've seen too many times under 500 teams or 500 teams or 10 and 8 teams go into a Grey Cup and absolutely destroy the best team, regular season team in the league. We, if you go back far enough, 16 and 2, the best record we've ever seen in a regular season, Edmonton in 89, did not make the Grey Cup. So, guys, it's we making definitive statements at this point of the year just makes it's one of those things that you say because you think it makes you sound smart, but it could make you look really stupid in three months. From Jim Burke, uh, stop with two QBs and just play Dane. The run game got better every week, but Dane has turned into captain checkdown. Defenses are now sitting at 10 yards, daring the Ticats to throw deep. Yeah, I, I agree that I, I don't, I didn't hate, if it's going to work, you run the two quarterback system. It, it, you didn't need it tonight. And I, I, like I said, I think that that decision to put Schiltz in there was a mistake. That said, I don't think that he becomes captain checkdown. I said it earlier. I just don't think receivers are getting separation, and you can't throw it deep if they're not open, and you just got to take what the defense gives you. Sometimes that works, and tonight it didn't. But, again, when the offense was clicking, he was throwing 7-yard, 12-yard passes, and they were picking up some good yards after the catch. Like I know that everyone's going to focus on the end of the game, but we've seen this offense operate effectively. It's, it's not just on – the play calling it's 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 every this was the most total team and i have to stress this and i'm going to stress this i'm going to stress it to you here buddy i'm going to stress it to anyone who comes at me online i'm going to stress it in the piece on three down we're probably going to talk something about this on the, the actual show next week this was a complete team loss every single phase of the game buggered this up in some way or another this doesn't just all fall on one person from wolfie 34 the head coach in oc Need to go. End of story. Yeah, well, you know, we talked about that a lot, and um, I don't think there's any – and I, I know you agree with me. There's no point in – like maybe you bring in Kahari as the OC, but I, I just don't see the point of uh, mass changes at this point. Either we're going to sink with this ship or we're going to turn it around, and, you know, obviously uh, the first one I said is more likely. I am. I will say I am a little surprised that there hasn't been more heat on Orlando Steinhauer – 
I think that that 15 and three season has really inoculated him from any real criticism because, and you're old enough to remember the Marcel Belfay era, obviously. Mm -hmm. What was one of the, what was one of the chief criticisms of him? They'd screw something up and he'd be clapping and smiling, not smiling, but he clapped the guys off. We don't see Orlando Steinhauer get all fiery and angry. They even did it on the broadcast where they're like, someone took a penalty and they're like, this is what gets your coach all fired up and spitting fire, whatever it was. And they literally showed a, 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 Orlando Steinhardt on the, on the screen for another 10 seconds, and he was completely stone-faced. Now, that's how some coaches are. There, there's, there's, you know, Dave Dickinson or Chris Jones types who are fiery and, and screaming and all that other sort of stuff. And then there are guys like Steinhauer, Mark Tressman was like that, a, a calmer type of coach. Doesn't necessarily mean one's better than the other. Guys either can win. But I am a little shocked that we haven't seen more criticisms of Steinhauer. And maybe I'm guilty of this. I cover the team, so maybe I'm guilty of this as much as anyone. We haven't seen more of that considering what I the criticisms I heard of previous Ty Cats coaches who started some often like this on in seasons two and four, two and six, three and nine. It's it I do wonder if maybe that that really good season three years ago has kind of allowed people to feel like they can't because it's like, well, he was 15-3 and three, got him the Great Cup both years. He's He's been the head coach if that's sort of stopped people from being able to criticize him too much. Now, I'm not saying fire him. I don't think I, – I do think he's a very good head coach. I do think that he's the right guy to turn this around. I think he's in his third season, guys. Like, I, I mentioned this – who was I talking to? Was I talking to you? Did I mention this on the show? These teams that there's constant turn. I can't remember who I said this to, but these teams that constantly, Oh, you know what it was? Oh, maybe what I, you know what? I don't remember. I'm not, I'm going to try to rack my brain about it, but I can't remember. But these teams that constantly are firing coaches, they, they finally get on the right track and they, Nope, we got to get rid of like Ryan Dinwiddie was on the hot seat last week. Why? Because they lost the game to Ottawa. Like Danny Machocha fires Kahari Jones. Everyone thinks that that was a mistake. You know what I mean? Like these teams and it's, it's Montreal and it's Toronto and Hamilton's been in this boat too that are constantly cycling through coaches looking for the right guy constantly end up starting from scratch again. And you, you have to build back up. Yeah. It's frustrating that this team is as bad as they are right now, but does one bad season make for a bad coach? I don't, I don't think so. From at Red in Hamilton. Uh, again, Condell cannot play call to strengths. This is the offense that causes our losses. The D held TO to 20. We haven't played a, Full four quarters since Labor Day last year. Condell and Mitchell both have to go. Mitchell? I guess he means Scott Mitchell. Like Scott Mitchell. Okay, well, you're barking. If you think Scott Mitchell's getting get, getting out of there, he's he's part of the ownership group of the team. Yeah, you yeah. might hate Scott Mitchell. I know a lot of people don't like Scott Mitchell. Scott Mitchell has never been anything but nice to me. But I understand that he's, he's the guy that a lot of people, he gets a lot of the arrows for some of the decisions on the Ticats, mm-hmm. rightly or wrongly. But... He's always been really nice to me whenever I've talked to him, so I'm not going to sit here. I, I treat people how they treat me, and he's always been exceptional with me. So I'm not going to treat him – I'm not going to say anything too negative about him. But if you think nope. he's on the way out, you're, you're completely out of your mind. Scott Mitchell will be here until he doesn't want to be here anymore. He's basically set for life. Again, the Condell stuff, yeah, maybe he does have to go. But much like some of the players in this team, you, they've made their decisions, and I don't think changing them at – midway point of the season is going to make any bit of difference. I really don't. If they do make it, if they do make a change though, it'll come after Labor Day. They have a bye week after Labor Day. If they're going to make a change at, at, at a, at a coordinator position, that'll be when it happens. I don't think they'll do it beforehand. From at O'Connell 53 is just a gif of uh, Jeff Daniels and dumb and dumber when he has diarrhea. So that's what he thought of the game tonight. That's, from that's, the that's, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, at Tiger Sammy, deja vu yet again. Great in the first half, absolute bollocks in the second half. Offensive play calling was atrocious yet again. At what, at what point do we replace Tommy with Kahari? <laughs> that's, well, that, we that just is... talked about it maybe after, maybe after Labor Day, right? Yeah, but at that, I mean, Tommy Condell's been on the hot seat since the season started. So I, I'm, just, I'm just wondering, I know Orlando is a very loyal guy. He's especially loyal to, to Condell. I know they're close. I think Bob Young is that way as well. Right? I yeah, I do. But if if the team comes back, let let's say they make the playoffs, win a playoff game, lose these final, or if they miss the playoffs, then I think you're definitely going to see a bunch of changes. Mm-hmm. But let's say they, they let's say they they find a way to make it in second place team in the East, win or lose that first playoff game, regardless. 
if they bring back Tommy Condell next year, I think even if this team gets to the, I think this team could win the Grey Cup, which I don't think they're going to. But I think if this team could win the Grey Cup, and fans would still be like, "Get him the hell out of here," like you know what I mean? Like I don't mm-hmm. think I think he's worn out his welcome. I I, I think in the offseason, bringing him back, I think might lead to pitchforks being taken down to Tim Hortons Field, and they'll burn the stadium down to the ground. Yeah, similar to the way that if if Jeremiah Mazzoli led the Ticats to uh, a Grey Cup victory in uh, you know last year, that, that I I don't think he'll be brought back anyways either. No. So it might be a similar situation. Uh, from Ad Jeffrey Pedler, we can't keep settling for field goals. I, I totally agree. We we have to be able to punch the ball into the end zone when we get into the red zone. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that 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 you know what that's one of those issues that I think is correctable. Like that, that's an execution thing and that's a play calling thing in the red zone. I think that of all the mistakes this team makes, that's one of those ones that I think you can actually fix. Like, I don't think changing the coordinator will change anything. All the stuff that we've talked about previously, some of those things I think are, like I said, in the DNA of this football team. Changing the their execution in the red zone, I think, is something that they they can they can correct. And you you sometimes you see teams get really hot in the red zone and then get really cold. It's it's kind of up and down. I, I think I think you could you could see this team get better there eventually, but I mean they they could do a lot better things eventually. But I do think of all the mistakes this team has, that's one of the ones that's the most correctable out of all of them. From Ad Bandit Jeff ninety two, it was terrible first half. In it, first half you dominate your rival, and you just crap the bed. Injuries didn't help, but the terrible play calling kills everything. All the field goals we had to take because of trash play calling. Geez, he basically yeah. just summarized our whole post game show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, from uh, at NA Cat sixty three, brutal coaching decisions are killing this team. Why kick a field goal when you have it inside their fifteen with seven minutes to go when you decide to go for it in your own end at the tw- at your twenty when when total points will matter at the end of the season series? What are we doing? That is an excellent point. I didn't even think of that. They don't go for it third and eight inside the fifteen. And they do go for it third and ten, three minutes left. Very, mm-hmm. very questionable. That is definitely questionable coaching decisions there. I mean, punting in that situation is quote unquote giving up, but they were down a touchdown. You punt, you get a two and out, you get the ball back. Yeah, you still got a ways to go, but I think in that situation, you got to punt. But previous to that, you got you to gotta try to score a touchdown when you're that close. But that's, that's just my opinion. Uh, from at Ticats News, second uh, same second half collapse every week. Who is to blame? Everybody. Yeah, right? everybody. Yeah. Uh, at CFL Musing, staying looking for home runs when singles will do. Some suspect play calling on both sides too. I I agree with that home run. There there were some times where he now maybe that's the play design, but there was like a second and four early in the game where he chucked one deep and it was dropped or batted down. There are times when I'm when I'm just like, why are you making that decision when? And it was, it, you know, hold on, I think I actually have it in my notes. What did I write down here? Yeah, why go deep on second and four when the offense has been doing nothing? Is something I actually wrote down in my notes from the game. And I, again, I'll have to re- re- watch the game again or, or find the highlights to remind myself when that happened. But it definitely happened in the second half. The offense is struggling. Why are you chucking a deep ball to pick up chunk yards when you kind of just want to? You know, stack a couple of first downs, keep the drive going, and maybe that'll help you get back into a rhythm. There, again, like I said, this, this it's not just one thing in this game. It's not just one person. There was play calling mistakes, and there were execution mistakes, and and this is one of those execution mistakes, if you will. From Ad Red and Hamilton, Evans also doesn't have a deep ball that accurate. He underthrew no. open receivers. Mm-hmm. Clear to me that Mazzoli made Condell look good. But overall, the players follow the coaches and lacking any killer instinct to put it away. Seven years of squandering great defense. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I'd have to agree with most of the, what he said there. Yeah, it's fun. It's funny how I wonder if we're going to see over the next few months and, and maybe next season or so kind of a reevaluation of Jeremiah Mazzoli's tenure here because he he was not a fan favorite. There was there was a lot of divide amongst fans about him and now i'm slowly starting to see now i don't know if if this if this commenter was a fan from from the entire way through like i i've 
I've been an, an admitted Jeremiah Mazzoli fan. I, I accepted his flaws, but I, I liked him as a quarterback. One of the reasons I was so high on Ottawa this year was because he went there. Uh, but I am curious if we're going to see over the next little while some of the people who were very fervent anti-Mazzoli people, if that will change and you'll start to see, well, maybe Jeremiah was the guy. Like I'm waiting to see that Like they should have kept from like Ticats fans. I've seen it from from some like other observers, like out from other teams and stuff that maybe the team should have kept Mazzoli over Evans. But I'm I'm gonna be curious to see when we start to see that sort of wheel turn and people start to wonder if maybe the Ticats made a mistake in, in keeping Dane Evans and, and we'll start to see some of these fans who are like, get that bum out of here in in uh in reference to Mazzoli kind of start changing their tune a little bit. It'll be interesting to see. Well, I know that my father was a Mazzoli. He, uh, he didn't like Mazzoli very much, and now he hates Evans. So, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, that's uh, Ticast fans, you know what I mean? So, yep. um, at Bugs 86 on one hand, losing two receivers hurt, but losing 29-6 to six in the second half is inexcusable. The second half woes continue and not sure what needs to change, but something needs to. Dane Evans has no composure and just dumps off in the worst situations. He ain't the answer. Well, yeah, I mean, he's not hes not playing well, and uh, nobody really is right now. So it's just a big mess. No, but uh, I, yep. I, agree, I agree with that. But at the same time, it's like we're only seeing the broadcast feed. Like, we can say he's just dumping passes off short, and it's not – If you, you have to look at those all 24s, and I know that people don't really get – that this is the problem is the CFL hides this information. Like if we had access to that stuff, you could see like, Oh, receivers a and B are covered and C, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm of the opinion and it's going to take video evidence to, to prove me wrong that. And I think this is the third or fourth time I've said it. The receivers aren't getting open. And if you're, if you got guys going 12 yards past the sticks on second and eight to pick up a first down, but they ain't open. You got to take the check down to Don Jackson or, or Sean Thomas Arlington and hope they make a guy miss and, and get a first down. You, you can't throw it. If Evan starts throwing it into double coverage and starts getting intercepted again, he's getting blamed all over again for all the terrible turnovers. So you can't, you can't have it both ways. I, I just, I think the receivers aren't getting open. That that's, that that's my opinion on the matter. From Ad Jacks caught three, two, four play calling was much improved last game. What happened? It, <laughs> I, th- I do think the injuries to – you lose a guy like Braylon Addison who looked like he was going to be a focal point in this game. That definitely changes things. Mike Jones goes down, who they clearly saw something in to bring him back. That changes things. I I just – I think – here's here's what I think happened, honestly. I think the Argos made adjustments and the Ticats didn't, and that's how – that's sometimes that's how it goes. And I think that that's kind of a flaw with this team, that the, these coaches especially. They don't do the adjustments. Mm-hmm. They, 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 and this is part of the – they start really well. And then teams kind of figure out what they're doing, and they don't know how to how to adjust to it. And that's not just the offense; that's the defense as well. Because we've seen this defense start phenomenally, and then all of a sudden they start getting picked apart. There's a reason for that, and I think I think that I think that aspect of it comes down to coaching. From at as Mike destructs, uh, we're constantly outcoached. Mm-hmm. I can't really argue with that. Yep. No. Nope, uh, at music, uh, twenty to six in second half, and not one comment about the D or Mark Washington. I, I mean, this is now. Granted, one of the one of the touchdowns was scored special teams, so you can't. That's not to me that you, can't, you don't put that in the defense. But no, like there's again, this is the lack of adjustments. I I don't think it's just a Condell thing. I don't think it's just a Steinhauer thing. I think this is a, a, like it's every single coach they don't adjust to the teams adjusting to them, and that's why they lose. From Ad Big Mush, stubbornly looking for the deep shot cost us this game. Tim Wade has looked awful this year. No separation and brutal hands. And Burt looked lost out there. Without Addison, this receiving corpse is in real trouble. Burt, so here's, I, I do want, I'm glad someone brought up Jake Burt. I don't fault him for being, he's had like three targets in eight games. You take a guy like that first overall in the draft and they use him like a glorified fullback. Like, yeah, and you remember when he was drafted? How excited we were! It's like, oh man, maybe they got to be cooking something up. They, you don't take a guy like this, a big-bodied, t- legitimate, prototypical NFL-style tight end, and you you kind of think of all the things they could do. I was envisioning a ton of stuff 
in the red zone. I've seen him catch balls in practice. He is faster than you would expect for someone his size. And then in the games, he gets, if he's lucky, gets two passes thrown his way. It's, to me, that's not on Burt. He's just not getting any targets. He's not getting any work. And then they thrust him into a, a situation where he's rusty, essentially. And maybe that's me making excuses for the guy. But I don't, I don't put his – he you, much like any other receiver, if you want a guy to kind of get in the flow of the game, you got to give him opportunities. He gets next to no opportunities. It's, it's really tough to evaluate someone when they almost have no chance. From at Jake Peck. Uh, I'm at the point where I just don't believe this organization will ever win a great cup again. A curse, a hex, I don't know, but something just always has to kill this team. I mean, yeah. it's tough. I, it's tough. <laughs> I, saying, saying they'll never win one again, like maybe they won't win one in our lifetimes, that would be incredibly That would be sad. shocking. I think that would be shocking in a nine team league. I do. Um, and the thing is, yeah. you go back into the history of this league. This isn't even the long. This isn't even the longest Grey Cup drought in recent memory. Like the Bombers, just three years ago, ended a twenty-nine-year drought. You don't think at some point fans of that team are going, "We're never going to see one." The mm-hmm. Argos and the Argos went thirty years before they in nineteen eighty-three they won the Grey Cup. They hadn't won one since nineteen fifty-three. Like nineteen fifty-three, my father, who was born in Scarborough, was one year old. So before my father turned two, the Argos won a Grey Cup. They didn't win another one until he was 30. So, like, it's, yeah, teams, it's frustrating being a fan of a team and they lose and they they come close and they, I get it. This isn't even the most, like, remembered Grey Cup drought. It sucks, but saying they'll never win one again, I, I think that that's... They're going to, you know what? The Chicago Cubs went 108 years without winning a championship, and then they finally did. If the bloody Chicago Cubs can win a World Series, the Hamilton Tiger Cats can win a Grey Cup. When that's going to happen, I don't know. Maybe I'll have more gray in my beard than, beard than red by then, but we'll have to wait and see. Now, I'm going to wrap it up with this last one because we, we had a, a lot of comments on, on this one, and we're going pretty, pretty long already. Uh, but the last one is from at the Jason. Uh, the Argos are not a good football team. But neither are we, and Montreal and Ottawa are worse. Condell is not the problem, or at least not the only problem. You know what? That is an absolutely great comment to end on. The East sucks. One of these teams is going – like, one of the teams that played tonight is probably going to make the Grey Cup. And that tells you kind of all you need to know about the state of this division. So I love that as a wrap-up thing. We've uh, We've gone longer than I expected, but – a lot of angry fans out there, Mike, and uh, I think you got two of them here. Although I've, I think I'm more just resigned to the fact that the team is bad, and you can't really get angry when when things go the way you expect them to go, even if you hope they'd go otherwise. Yeah, but thanks to uh, thanks to everyone for sending in the questions. It's just it seems to grow and grow every week we do this. So thanks to everyone for for listening to us ramble after a, another tough loss. But I, I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. I'm Josh Smith. Eat them raw.